Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days, say in those days, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There's so much here that has to do with time. In those days, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law. The NIV says of that verse, when the set time had fully come. The New Living Translation says, when the right time came. The message says, when the time arrived that was set by God. Our God is all about timing and his timing is impeccable. He might not come when you want him to, but he comes right on time. He's Jehovah Nick of time. He gets there right on his time. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, When the Stage is Set, the Star Will Appear. When the stage is set, the star will appear. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your presence that I feel in this house. Speak to our hearts. Anoint me to preach, Father. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many of you have ever been to a concert? So this concert that you attended, who was the star of the concert? Can you, can you shout out some names? Oh, it's church. You're afraid to say anything. Come on now. I, I know who y'all are. I know where y'all go. Who was the star of the concert that comes to your mind at first? Toby Mack. Did I hear Toby Mack? Since we started out with Christian artists. I, I heard Garth Brooks, I think. Bob James, wow, jazz aficionado there. Who? Marcus Mill, another jazz. Okay, who else? Who else? Carmen. Did you say Carmen? Oh, yes, Carmen. Mm. Yeah, Satan. Bite the dust. That's, that's great. Well, I've been to quite a few of the same concerts that you've been to, apparently. But uh, in 1980, I went to Las Vegas with my mom and dad. And I saw this guy in concert. Do you know who that is? Wayne Newton in front of Caesar's Palace. Now, he was much younger in 1980, and he had had way less plastic surgery in 1980. But I did see him in Las Vegas in 1980 at Caesar's Palace. And uh, this is Wayne Newton and uh, just, you know, Mr. Mr. Las Vegas. And 
I remember the stagehands setting up the stage, the band getting into place, and they had this gigantic drum set, Troy, that just was impressive to me as this uh, uh, just getting into my teens and playing drums. And, and then the lights came on, and boom, the star showed up. Wayne, Mr. Las Vegas himself, came bebopping out. Well, about 6,000 years ago, God started setting the stage, and for the next 4,000 years, he got everything perfectly in place, and when the stage was set, the star appeared. And today I want to take a deeper look at just how meticulously God set the stage. And I want to remind you and show you that God is again meticulously setting the stage to come another time, a second time. Not as a lowly babe in a manger, but as a risen king descending from heaven with a shout and with the voice of God and the, the trumpet that shall sound. So, you with me? Let's take a dive into this. Our reading is from the book of Luke. So who was this man, Luke? Luke was the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He was not one of the twelve. As a matter of fact, he was not even a Jew. He was a Gentile, the only gospel writer who we can certainly say was non-Jewish. He was possibly from Antioch, Syria, well-educated, and referred to by the Apostle Paul as the beloved physician, which is why his account has more details on the healings of Jesus than any other gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, or John. He had a vast vocabulary. He was well-versed in ancient Greek. He had a working knowledge of the Semitic languages. He was familiar with all things nautical, as we can see in his accounts of the shipwrecks and, and sailing passages. His primary sources for the Jesus story were the 12 apostles themselves. Some scholars speculate that he was one of the 70 that Jesus sent out, which mean, would mean that he had followed Jesus early on. Others believe that he was the man in Paul's vision that was the Macedonian call, come over and help us. Either way, check this out. This man, Luke, wrote 27.5% of the words in the New Testament. Now, that's a lot. Apostle Paul only wrote 28% of the words in the New Testament. Paul only wrote 321 more words in the New Testament than Luke. Our reading starts out by Dr. Luke letting us know that he's not just telling a story. It's not a... Uh, a fairy tale, but he's writing an historical record of what actually happened. These are actual, factual, verifiable, historical events. And Luke starts by dropping a name, and it's not just any name, but it's the name of one of the most powerful and influential men to ever walk the face of the earth. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Speaking of Caesar's palace, right? I want to take a look at this guy, Caesar Augustus. His birth name was Octavian, named after his father. His maternal great-uncle was Julius Caesar. And because of his talent and promise, young Octavian caught the attention of his great-uncle. In 45 B.C., Octavian was adopted by Julius Caesar and became the official heir there was this cadence and this timing that was taking place. None of it missed by God. 
all of it orchestrated by God. Within one year of being adopted by Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar was murdered. And the empire ended up being split three ways between Octavian, Mark Antony, and Lepidus. For decades, the empire had been in wars. But now, under what was known as the triumvirate, these three guys, the violence became far worse. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on the history. Are you with me? These were bloody, brutal years of war and civil war. Things got far worse under the triumvirate. Each faction was fighting for power, for money, fighting in Rome and in the provinces. Octavian and Antony finally knocked off Lepidus, got him out of the picture. And even though his sister married Antony, Octavian and Antony warred for 13 long and violent years. Finally, in 31 B.C., they spent the year amassing and assembling and arranging huge armies in Actium, Greece. Antony, with the help of Cleopatra, brought in 500 warships, 100,000 infantry, and 12,000 cavalry. Octavian answered with 400 warships, 80,000 infantry, and 12,000 horsemen. Octavian had a better strategy, had more mobile ships, and he famously defeated Antony and Cleopatra at the Battle of Actium. Octavian became the sole ruler of the Roman world and took the title Caesar Augustus. Now that's no small thing. That was a sacred title, Augustus, that was designated to deities. And at first, he tamed it down. He was called the Imperator or the commander of the Roman armies. But eventually, he was known as the Emperor of Rome. In a sense, he was a Christ-like figure, a savior the leader of a world-dominating system. When the time was right, Caesar Augustus rose to prominence and became the most powerful man on the face of the earth. The stage was set, the star appeared, but Caesar Augustus was not that star. Caesar Augustus was a false star. The real star did appear, and his name was Jesus. It's like both God and the devil knew the stage is set. And they were trying to get their piece on the the board to get control of what was going on. But in those days, it says a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. After decades of war, civil war, destruction, brutality, economic disaster, the world was looking for peace, for security, for safety, for a prince of peace, for a savior. Historian Will Durant points this out. The lusty peninsula was worn out with 20 years of civil war. Its farms had been neglected. Its towns had been sacked and besieged. Much of its wealth had been stolen or destroyed. Administration and protection had broken down. Robbers made every street unsafe at night. Highwaymen roamed the roads, kidnappers tra- uh, kidnapped travelers and sold them into slavery. Trade diminished, investment stood still, interest rates soared, property values fell, 
morals which had been loosened by riches and luxury had not been improved by destitution and chaos. For few conditions are more demoralizing than poverty that comes after wealth. Rome was full of men who had lost their economic footing and then their moral stability. Soldiers who had tasted adventure and had learned to kill. Citizens who had, been, who had seen their savings consumed in the taxes and inflation of war uh, waited vacuously for some uh, returning tide to lift them back to affluence. They were dizzy with freedom, multiplying divorces, abortions, adulteries, etc., the bottom line is this, Dr. Car- Dr. Luke is careful to point this out. When the world was looking for someone to save them from the horror that had become their reality, when they were looking for a Savior, Jesus showed up in such an unassuming way. When the stage was set, the star appeared. And in my studies this week, I just had a little thought. I want to share it with you once again. The world is ready and waiting and looking for a Savior. Someone who has the solution to this virus we call COVID-19. Someone who has an answer for the division that has been ravaging in our nation and in our world. Someone who can relieve the strain and pain of this generation Of the last 12 months, I would say of the last 10 months in particular. Someone who can solve our economic woes and help even America deal with the trillions of dollars in debt that we owe. That we don't fully comprehend, but the economist fully understands. The stage is set, I'm telling you, for another Caesar Augustus to ascend for an antichrist, a false Christ. And the world is ready and willing to pledge allegiance and loyalty to such a man, even at the expense of personal liberty and freedom. And I tell you in the fear of God that that man will ascend, that that man will come, but something else is going to happen first, in my humble opinion, according to Scripture. There's another ascension, not just the ascension of the Antichrist, but there's another ascension that's going to take place. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8 says this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus. Are you with me? And our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple, showing himself that he is God. Do not remember, do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, everybody say restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but he, only he who now restrains will Do so until he is taken out of the way and the lawless one is revealed. Folks, the church has been and currently is a restraining force, a hindrance that is preventing the rise, the full rise of the Antichrist and his revelation to this world. But I want to tell you something. 
the church will be taken out of the way. As the Antichrist begins to rise and his revelation is imminent, the church will be raptured in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I'm reminded of, a, of an old song that we used to sing back when I was a kid because I'm old as dirt. And the song simply said this, Could it be that this could be the day that starts eternity, the day that we've been waiting for so long? Could it be the end today when the King of Kings will turn and say, Pick up your trumpet, blow it loud and strong. Could it be the soul of me can sense that servants will be free? Is that my soul telling me to look up in the sky and see there's something in the air? I can feel it everywhere. There's something in the air. Here's my point. When the world of 2,000 years ago was ready, Caesar Augustus rose to power. And while the world was focused on that Caesar, looking to him for answers, get us out of this economic turmoil, get us back to a place of peace, Here's our rights, here's our stuff, here's our, here's our allegiance, please, Caesar Augustus. And he took a republic and turned it into an empire. While that world was focused on that Caesar, Jesus slipped in unawares, man. He came to a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. But I'm going to tell you something. When this world is ready... And the Antichrist rises to solve its problems. And the world is focusing on that Antichrist. Jesus is coming in like a thief in the night. And he's going to take his church out of this place. Aren't you looking forward to the coming of the Lord? Can you give him praise right now? Come on, I thank you that you came the first time. But my trust is in the fact that you're coming the second time. Jesus said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We take communion. It's not just looking back to the cross. But he said, looking forward to when I come back and do this, have the Lamb Supper with you together in the kingdom that is to come. This is not just a religion, quote unquote, that looks back. It's a, it's a relationship with God looking forward to his return. In Matthew 24, Jesus gave us a glimpse of what the end of the age would look like. Telltale signs preceding the return of the Lord Jesus. Wars, rumors of wars. Nation rising against nation. The Greek is ethnos. Ethnicities rising against ethnicities. Hello. Racism. Division. Kingdom rising against kingdom. And that's the authority. Authorities rising against authorities. Famine. Pestilence. Hello, coronavirus. Earthquakes. False religion. False prophets. Lawlessness. The love of many waxing cold. A falling away and then a world dictator who ascends and declares himself to be God while standing in the third temple in Jerusalem which there's not a third temple now but I've been there and they said we can get it up in a matter of months and we have all the stuff that we need but then in that very next chapter in Matthew 25 Jesus tells us because of this you need to be ready at all times 
He says, verse 1, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. Five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be any for us. Go rather and sell and to those who sell and buy and get some for yourself. And verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. After the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Jesus put this. Here's the point. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And I'm here, you to, I'm here to tell you on this Sunday before Christmas, when the stage was set the first time, the star appeared. And when the stage is set the second time, the star will appear again. And I'm here to say, Maranatha, even so come quickly, Lord. This world is not my home, never has been, never will be. I'm just passing through. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm ready for this for this to be over. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you something right now. I want to evangelize the world. I want to bring people with me. I'm not done soul winning. I was teaching a Bible study Thursday night. I've got more Bible studies to teach. I want to win the loss. People used to interview me about checking out our church. Some, some, some church folk would come over and say, we're thinking about changing to your church. You know, What kind of church do you have? What are you? And I got tired of answering those questions, Randy, and like giving my philosophy of ministry and all this stuff. And I finally just started saying, you want to know who I am? I'm a soul winner. What about you? I'm trying to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. I'm on a mission. That's what I'm all about. That's what this church is all about. And as much as I want to win the lost and win the world and I'm not satisfied until I can get even more with me, I'll tell you right now, if that trumpet sounds, I ain't looking back, brothers and sisters. I'm looking up and I'm saying, even so, Lord, here I come. Give him some praise right now in Jesus' name. That's our hope. 1 John 3 puts it like this. It's it's like, here's the love the Father's bestowed on us. Uh, The the world doesn't know us. It didn't know Him. We're, We're the children of God. It's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He's revealed, we shall be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope, hope, the coming of the Lord is a hope, a hope. You see it in Colossians, to them, that's the church, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, Christ in us. Titus 2, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The stage was set those years ago. Caesar Augustus rises up, false hope, Jesus in a manger. 
the hope of the world. 2,000 years later, the stage is set. Antichrist, spirit of Antichrist everywhere. The Antichrist will rise up. But Jesus is going to return. The stage is set. The star will appear. Listen to this. First Peter 1. And you don't hear too much preaching on the coming of the Lord. And I'm coming to a close. But you don't hear too much preaching on the coming of the Lord anyway. The church doesn't hear it enough. We need to hear more of it. Because this is real. You know this is not just like a game. Checking off a list. Like I went to church and I'm a Christian. Well, what kind of Christian? Well, I'm this category Christian. Oh, that's cool. I can categorize you. And, and then you're another religion. And oh, that's fascinating. And that's interesting. And, and we just, we need religion. It's, it's the opium of the people. It gives us a crutch. It helps us out. It, this is real. He really came the first time. And he's really coming again. What you, this ain't the end all right here. This ain't Donovan as I'm going to be forever and ever. No. I'm going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This mortality, which means death doomed, will put on immortality. I will be untouchable by death one day. I'll have a body that is fit for eternity. This is real. So will you. This is real. And Jesus is really coming back. And listen to this. If you've never pondered or considered the prophetic in the scripture regarding his coming, check this out. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold or tradition of your fathers, the aimlessness of that, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was Listen to this, foreordained before the foundation of the world. In the beginning was the word, but was manifest in these last times for you. Manifest in these last times. History is his story, which by default is the story of our redemption. The fixing of the fall, and it was foreordained, and it's manifested in these last times. you got all this stuff in the Bible about times. The times of the Gentiles. Daniel spoke of times and, and different eras. The Old Testament was completed 450 years before Christ was born. 400 year, 450 years before he died. Before he rose from the dead. And in that Old Testament there are over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Mathematically, some of you geniuses out there, you understand the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. Here's the math. One person fulfilling just eight of these prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's one out of 10 with 17 zeros. That's the 10 amount to covering the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, marking one, and then believing that a blind man could find it on his first try. But it gets even better. One person fulfilling 48 of these prophecies is one in 10 to the 157th power. It's 10 with 157 zeros. One person fulfilling 300 of these prophecies is statistically impossible 
which tells me with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. According to J. Barton Payne, there are a total of 1,817 prophecies in the Bible. These prophecies are contained in 8,352 verses, meaning that nearly 27% of the Bible consists of prophecy. One of every 30 verses mentions the return of Jesus and or end time events. So the second coming of Jesus, the first one, we looked at the this, this, this statistics there. But the second coming is, is predicted as well. Mentioned in the four Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, and of course in Revelation. And the, the idea is this, either the Bible is infallible and errant and inspired, or it is not. And if the second coming of Christ is not true, then his first coming could not have been true, but his first coming was true. And if his first coming was certain, his second coming, how much more can we count on him to come the second time? Stand with me right now. Matthew 24. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Acts 1, 6-7. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Habakkuk 2.3. In other words, there's a time. There's a season. There is a moment. Just as he set the stage up for his first coming, the stage is being set. Habakkuk 2.3. Then the Lord answered and and said to me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Just like before, there is a moment and that moment in the prophetic realm, could it be written in these days? And in these days, there went out a decree from the president, Joe Biden, that everyone should wear a mask. Everyone should pay a tax. I bet your capital gains tax go up, right? Could it be that the Lord totally is aware of this? Not wringing His hands? Saying, oh no! They're going to tax the people. Could it be that that decree went out just as it was foreordained? And as Donovan and Valerie were filling out their tax forms... And ordering another shipment of masks from Amazon. The eastern sky split. And Jesus descended from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the angel, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ rose first. And afterwards, Donovan and Valerie were caught up. And Teresa and Mario were caught up. And Wendy and DJ were caught up. And... Cynthia caught up with Jack who had already preceded her and, and Julie and, and, and the kids and all of, you know, 
the families, Wayne and Marion. And, 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 and I'm telling you, when the stage is set, He will return. And on this Christmas, let us be reminded, it's not just about His first coming. Thank God for it. But it's about that second coming. I, I, I'm telling you, I couldn't do anything about that first coming. It was before I was born. But I can do something about that second coming. I can believe the gospel. I can be born again of water and spirit. And when the trumpet sounds, there's going to be a change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And If you want more about what happens, if you want to know more about what happens after all of that, you can go back and listen to our series from the book of Daniel and from the book of Revelation. It's fascinating. It doesn't just end there. But for us, we're sealed. We're cemented in. The chain sticks. We are glorified and eternalized. And forever we will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter the Caesar that's taken over on this old planet because the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ and of the increase of His government and peace. There shall be no end. He's coming back. He's coming back. We used to sing that song, He's coming soon. He's coming soon with joy. We'll welcome His returning. You don't have to try to play it. You're just a child. I get it. It may be morn. It may be night or noon. We know He's coming. Anybody know that song? He's coming soon. And I'm telling you, the word today is live your life like He could come back at any moment. I want to be ready. I want to have my lamp trimmed and burning. I want oil in my lamp. I want to be prayed up. I want to be living right. I want my priorities straight. I'm not just trying to make a few bucks in the stock market. I'm not just trying to recover things that I lost financially. But I'm trying to say, God, what do you want from me? What can I surrender to you? Here, I, I want to live a holy life unto you, God. I want to live a life that's surrendered. Because when you come back, I want to go up. You can't bring a U-Haul with you to heaven. You're going to have to leave it behind. I'm afraid some of us are like, like Lot's wife. If the rapture were to take place, we'd be looking back saying, but I want that. I, I didn't finish that project. you got to let go of that stuff, man. It's just it's temporary. It won't matter in a hundred years anyway. I'm an entrepreneur, y'all. I'm, I'm pushing hard. I know it. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I, I'm, I'm not against prospering and I'm not against finances. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm a, I'm a business owner. I'm for making a buck and making a living and striving and moving in that direction. But I'm going to tell you something. When the trumpet sounds, you can have it. You can have it all, man. Uh, McDonald's coming in over here, this building. Wow, we got some great property. Who cares? Whoever's left, y'all can have it, man. But I hope we all go up together. Because we'll forever be with the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you lift your hands to Him right now? Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.